2: you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live
1: at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Donald Trump celebrates the 4th of July by trying to shut down the uh, First Amendment and the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. Happy birthday. What do you say, folks? Hope you had a great 4th of July. Happy 5th of July. It is Wednesday, July 5th. Great to see you here on The Bill Press Show. We are coming to you live from Washington, D.C. We are joining you all over this great land of ours on YouTube, youtube youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. You got it. All right. And, of course, on Free Speech TV. So good to see you today. Uh, Yeah, hope you had a great fourth. Maybe, if you were lucky enough, you had the whole damn weekend uh, and maybe still celebrating a little bit. But at any rate, we move on to bring you up to date on all the news of the day. Congress out of session this week, feeling a little heat. Yes, not just from uh, the sun, but feeling heat from voters who are upset about Republican plans, the latest in the Senate, to repeal Obamacare and replace it with absolutely nothing, leaving 23 million Americans high and dry and... Boy, it's a good thing we got a tough guy in the White House. He said he's not going to take any nonsense from North Korea. He will never accept, never tolerate the fact that they would fire a missile that capable of reaching the United States of America. It won't happen, Donald Trump promised us. Yesterday, it did. Oh, man. So much to talk about. Send us your comments on Twitter. we love to hear from you on Twitter, at BP Show. But first... This is the Full Court Press.
3: Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, the greatest tradition we have here in America on the 4th of July is, of course, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Mm -hmm. Contest that they have. It happens at Coney Island every year. That's what I live for. Yeah, right? That's, That's what America really means. Well, we have a winner. The defending champion won again. Former guest of the show here, as a matter of fact. Joey Chestnut. Joey? Yeah. Joey Chestnut. Yeah. He set a new record. He ate 72 hot dogs in 10 minutes. That is 12 more hot dogs than the second place finisher. Congratulations to Joey Chestnut. I watched it live.
4: Uh, it was disgusting. It was I
3: can't watch that stuff.
4: Awful. Uh, and you know, one thing I one little critique—they don't show the women's competition live, which I don't think is great. You I know what? That's, that's a good
3: point. If we're gonna make nice. every, if we're gonna show the disgusting men, we should show the disgusting women too. Equality. Eat that much. <laughs> Chestnut was interviewed afterwards. He said, "Quote: I was sweating like a mad dog. It was a great performance, but I know that I could have done better." End quote. What does he do the rest of the year? I think he just eats like tons of eating competitions. No, not I think, not I, just I, hot dogs. Yeah, no, he goes around and he eats in competitions all over the country all year long. How big is he? He's not that big of a guy.
1: Hmm. Right.
3: Right. Like, I mean, he's not. He's not a skinny yeah. guy, but like
1: seventy-two hot dogs in ten minutes. You know, I. You know, I love a hot dog, um, mm. but and I'll probably have one later today on the train. Okay. Uh, but uh, seventy-two. Yeah.
3: Mm. No thanks.
1: Yeah. Yesterday NP- in a year 72. <laughs> Yesterday
3: NPR tweeted out this tweet A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of
1: a free people. How dare they call- talk about Donald Trump well, that way. Well
3: that's the problem of course. They are quoting directly from the Declaration of Independence. But Trumpers online got very mad. They said, NPR is calling for a revolution against our president, Donald Trump. Yes. Propaganda. Is that all yes. you know how to do? Another person asked. People even had to go so far as to point out to these Trumpers, this is the Declaration of Independence that they're quoting. It's something that they do every year. Which Trumpsters Trumps should, know. They should, should be their Bible. know. they should absolutely know. They should absolutely know. Other than the Bible, which is their second favorite book, right? <laughs> That's it. That's
1: it. Two Corinthians
2: (laughs) (laughs) on your radio on TV. And online, this is the Bill Press Show.
1: Yep, they're calling a trigger happy Noko, and they fired off a big one yesterday while we were celebrating the Fourth of July. A missile that, if it had gone straight, if they had sent it in a straight line instead of looping up into space and back, could have reached uh, all of Alaska. How do you like them apples? Donald Trump. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is Wednesday, July 5, and here we are after our big celebration of the 4th of July. I hope you had a good one. Um, good, good, good friend, fun with uh, friends. Uh, boy, I, everywhere I went yesterday, outside the little Veterans Hall, down here, uh, outside I don't know how many homes, our neighbors back, everywhere I went. The Barbecues were out yesterday, burgers were sizzling, and people were. Just guzzling and it was a good time uh, all around. Uh, But we're back with you uh, to cover the news of the day here from our studio in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where we're right on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol building. Pretty quiet, pretty quiet this week. Um, Very, very few members are in town. Everybody's home for this Fourth of July break. But we've got lots and lots to talk about. Uh, here the team. I I don't know, I gotta say, um maybe if you're not in the Washington area, you tuned in last night to watch the fireworks on the Washington Mall. Uh I don't know whether I'm getting older and not as impressed. Uh but I, I thought it was so so last night, the fireworks show. Did you really? Yeah.
3: I mean, I think that that Trump has tainted. I, and I, by the way, Trump I watched it. Most things that uh, I
1: watched it from a it uh, from a rooftop friend's house, uh, great little party, uh, in Georgetown, great view of of the whole thing. So it I doesn't mean, get much better than that. I could not complain about the view. Right, the view was spectacular. Uh, so I saw the whole thing. I don't know. I just <laughs> maybe maybe I've just seen too many fireworks on the mall, but so. And I was trying. You I know kept, what, You know
3: what I have. The world's tiniest violin playing for you right now. I'm not now.
1: complaining. All I'm yeah. saying is, I was trying to say I am not going to blame Donald Trump for this. I am I'm sure you could find a way. No, this has nothing to do with Donald. That the fact that City the guy sitting on the orange, on the orange balcony, on yeah. the Truman balcony has orange hair. Yeah. No, I didn't want to. I didn't want to blame on Donald Trump. I, 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 anyhow. So, but I had a good time. It was a good party, and I uh, hope you did too. Wherever you happen to be. Yeah, but the real party for 4th of July was not here. Uh -uh. No, the real party on 4th of July was in Pyongyang, where, and you know, you know damn well uh, that they selected uh, yesterday, our birthday, the 4th of July, our national celebration, uh, to stick it to us uh, and embarrass us, North Korea. Uh, that smart little cookie over there, uh, to uh, by shooting off this uh, intercontinental missile, intercontinental missile uh, just to show us that they are still alive and still determined to have a, a missile with a nuclear weapon capable of reaching the United States of America. Uh, we're going to talk more about this with uh, Joe Cirincione from the Plowshares Fund, our foreign policy guru, a little bit later in the program. Uh, in fact, great lineup today. Uh, Joe Sirincione joining us from Plowshares Fund. Uh, then Hadass Gold, who's the uh, crack super po- uh, media reporter for Politico. He's got a great piece out today about Donald Trump. What's that? That's
3: a hell of a beat these
1: days. Oh, covering yeah. The, covering yeah, media, absolutely. The Trump. Uh, and then by Nielsen Liz, Liz- <laughs> Lesnuski who covers the uh, Congress for roll call and what's up late- latest with the healthcare plan. Anyhow, back to North Korea. Yeah, they shot this missile off yesterday. Uh it um it went a total of five hundred and eighty if is very successful, unlike some of the others. So maybe our little computer worm that we've got in there, the cybersecurity, ain't working anymore. Uh a very successful launch. It went a total straight. If it had gone, it went a total of 580 miles before it crashed into the sea. But uh, if it, be, it first went up into outer space and then back down and then continued its trajectory, had it gone straight, it would have gone 1,700 miles total, which would have reached the shore. In fact, covered anywhere in, could have hit anywhere in Alaska. Um, so the idea. Uh, Of Donald Trump talking tough about North Korea. The idea that Donald Trump uh, could just talk tough, do nothing, but expect China to rein in North Korea's um, missile attack, missile uh, tests. And this is like maybe the 15th since Donald Trump uh, has, has been president of the United States. Uh, The idea that that tough talk alone and tough tweets alone and begging China to intercede is going to work, it's just ludicrous. It it was never going to work, and now we see it. I mean, Uh, It it, it is ridiculous. It was
3: early on that he promised to bomb North Korea if they were going to have these missile tests.
1: And he said early in January that the idea that North Korea would, would ever test a missile that could reach the United States, quote unquote, won't happen guess what? It did happen yesterday. And the United States, I, and by the way, I'm not the last thing I'm, I'm encouraging is any military action against North Korea. But it just shows, again, that tough tweets are not the substitute for governing. And what we're going to have to accept is the United States, like President Clinton did and like President Obama tried to do, is going to have to open negotiations with North Korea uh, and Japan, End or end China and get them all involved and talk North Korea out of its nuclear program which we did by the way for 10 years back in 1994 under he, Bill Clinton
3: here's what Trump tweeted uh, after the the missile yeah. test
1: yeah North Korea has
3: just launched another missile does this guy have anything better to do with his life
1: which I mean yeah. Yeah, let's try a personal attack against uh, Kim Jong-un. That's really going to work. And also, as if if Donald Trump is
3: a standard of what you should be doing as a leader, Uh, he goes on to say, hard to believe that South Korea and Japan will put up with this much longer. Uh, Perhaps China will put a heavy move on North Korea and end this nonsense once and for all.
1: Yeah. We've been counting on China ever since President Trump had uh, the... Most beautiful piece of chocolate cake you ever saw. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, with the president, President Xi of China uh, down in Mar a Lago, and assured us all that we didn't have to worry about North Korea because China was going to take care of it. Uh, he did say back on uh, April 30, uh, telling John Dickerson on Face the Nation if North Korea did anything like this, uh, or if they were to test a nuclear weapon, um, he would not. Be a happy camper.
5: I would not be happy. If he does a Mm -mm. nuclear test, I will not be happy.
1: Mm -mm. No, (laughs) not be happy. But he's got to admire that little rascal who's ahead of North Korea. At a very young
5: age, he was able to assume power. A lot of people, I'm sure, tried to take that power away, whether it was his uncle or anybody else. And he was able to do it. So obviously he's a pretty smart cookie.
1: Ah, yeah. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I do think that uh, Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un are the same person. They are both uh, incompetent leaders who, uh, who hate the media and who make a career out of attacking the media uh, and basically are capable of doing anything, anything, no matter how wild or no, no matter how ill-considered or ill-thought-out of, of just some rash move of shooting from the hip. Uh, that's what worries me about Kim, worries all of us about Kim Jong-un, and that's what worries me about Donald Trump. Um, H.R. McMaster is the head of national of the Homeland Security telling us yesterday on the Sunday, or uh, telling us on the Sunday shows, I guess it was, uh, this last weekend uh, that, uh, yep, Donald Trump says um, I want to look at all options
2: The president has directed us to to not do that and and to prepare a range of options,
4: including a military option, which nobody wants to take.
1: Yeah. The idea that we would be considering a military option, again, as opposed to uh, negotiations, direct or indirect with North Korea, is scary at best because, uh, and I'm sure Joe's here and will spell this out for us, but any military, any strike like we did against Syria, any comparable strike against North Korea will result in a barrage of missiles landing on South Korea, 38,000 American troops caught in the crossfire, and hundreds of thousands of South Koreans would lose their lives, and we could have World War III uh, in, uh, in the Far East. So um, that's the latest situation, again, on North Korea. We'll talk more about it with, uh, with Joe Seer and Sony. But it is indeed, indeed, a scary situation. Um, with a man at the helm of the United States, that's the thing. Who you know, we just has, has no idea, no idea uh, about foreign policy, and doesn't take the time to really consider this and consult with experts and think it out and take the right, make the right decision.
3: Right, right. We've we elected the dumbest person in the history of histories to be the president of the United States. And you've got a complicated issue.
1: Who thinks you can govern by swagger. Yeah, Exactly. Right. And you we're know. so screwed. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> so That's you, true. Yeah. See? Thank you. Meanwhile, this has, got not, this has not gotten much attention at all. But do you, you remember? Uh, uh, totally. Totally change the subject. But, okay, so we've said Donald Trump isn't confident. It is true that he hasn't signed any major piece of legislation. It's true that he signed all these executive orders, most of which don't amount to anything. But at the same time, as dumb as he is, he's doing a lot of dangerous stuff and a lot of, I mean, he's totally gutted everything that we were able to accomplish under President Obama on climate change, for example. He's proceeding with this Muslim travel ban, thanks to the John Roberts Supreme Court. It's not final yet, but they are now able to uh, move on major parts of that travel ban. He's alienated all of our allies around the world, right? Uh, he is about to escalate the war in Afghanistan. Point is, even as incompetent as he is, just having him there is dangerous because he's doing a lot of dangerous stuff. And here's one, that there's something that he's doing that a lot of people haven't been talking about because we got tied up with his video punching out alleged uh, a report, not uh, not re- uh, sort of the fake video yeah. of punching out a CNN reporter, not for real, and all of his tweets against uh, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski last week. But in the meantime, he has launched this commission on voter fraud, or whatever the hell it's called. And you know where this stems from, is that he insists still today that He may have won the election, the electoral vote, but he would have won the popular vote too, except for the fact that three to five million people voted illegally last November for Hillary Clinton. And damn it, he's out to prove it. He has offered no evidence, zero evidence of that, because it didn't happen, did not happen. Fifty states, each state conducts its own elections, and each state is responsible for ferreting out and making sure there's no voter fraud, and they do a good job of it. But Donald Trump wants proof, wants them. So he wants this commission that he's appointed with Mike Pence as the chairman of it and Chris Kobach, the crazy Trumper who is the Secretary of State of Kansas as the vice chair of it. He's appointed this commission simply to prove that what he Insisted happened, what he alleged in January is, in fact, the truth. It's never going to work because it didn't happen. Three or five billion people didn't vote illegally. Meanwhile, they have this commission. So here's the story. Last week uh, for the commission, uh, Secretary of State from Kansas, Chris Kobach, sent out a letter to states saying, OK, we want to, pr- we want- we want to be sure there was no voter fraud in your state. So here's what you- we want you to send us. Think about this now, all of you voters out there. Here's what the commission asked for. They asked, they demanded, they demanded that the states send them information on every voter, including their full names. Listen to this. Their full names. This is you. You. They want this on you. Full name, address, date of birth what political party you belong to, every election you've voted in since 2006, information on whether you ever were registered to vote in another state, information on whether you ever lived in another country, and here's the icing on the cake, the last four digits of your social security number. All of that information... Ladies and gentlemen, is protected by the right of privacy, by the protected by the Fourth Amendment. Stay out of there! You can't walk into any election department in the country and say, um, "You know, I know this guy named Jamie Benson. He's a registered voter. He lives in Washington D.C. Can you please tell me full name, uh, his address, date of birth, what political party he belongs to, every election he's voted in since 2006?" whether or not he ever uh, was, lived in another state, whether he ever lived in a foreign country, and the last four digits of his Social Security number, please, yes. And by the way, could you give me his Visa credit card number, too, because <laughs> I would like...
3: Might, might as well.
1: Might as well, right? No, sir. No, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, guess what? This is so bad. This is, this is outrageous. This is where the Trumpers are so wrong. This is where... The right wing, not the left wing, the right wing ought to be saying, wait a freaking minute, we have a right of privacy in this country. This is big brother out of whack, out of control, demanding this kind of information. And instead, where are the cries coming from? Well, they're not coming from the Republicans in Congress. You know where they're coming from? They're coming from the states. They're coming from attorneys general. They're coming from secretaries of state. And they're coming from governors. I love this. To this point, 44 out of 50 states, 44 out of 50 states have said, no way, Jose. They have said, no, we are not going to provide this information because it violates the United States Constitution, as well as the state constitution, as well as any privacy laws that exist uh, and these include, of course, 44 states have to include Republican governors as well as Democratic governors. Uh, one of the latest, just right, right, right across the line here, the state of Maryland, where Republican Governor Larry Hogan agreed with his Secretary of State uh, and Attorney General uh, that Maryland would not comply with this, would not um, um, provide the information. Uh, the attorney general Brian Frosch, Frosch, uh, who is a Democrat uh, for the state of Maryland, said that his uh, what he's asking violates uh, is uh, he called it. I'm sorry, a repugnant maneuver to intimidate voters and to indulge President <laughs> Trump's fantasy that he won the popular vote.
3: That's it. That's exactly what it is. That's what it is.
1: Yeah. And, like, and you you remember— Republican Governor Larry Hogan says, I agree with the Attorney General. Yeah. No, like, if you're a real conservative,
3: yeah, you hate this idea. And I'm not saying— No. Like, yeah. if you remember, Barack Obama never anywhere came close to having a gun registry or anything like that. But that was the big fear for Republicans is Barack Obama's going to collect your personal information because you bought a gun— and was going to make a gun registry. And the outcry over that freaked him out. This is so much worse. Yeah. This is literally everyone who votes and how you vote and all of that information. Like, what are we doing here? How can anybody think this is a good idea?
1: Governor Terry McAuliffe. Uh, so Maryland's that way. Virginia's <laughs> right over that way, right across the line. Governor Terry McAuliffe saying yesterday, quote, Virginia conducts fair, honest, and Democratic elections, and there is no evidence of significant voter fraud in Virginia. Virginia, he said, quote, has no intention of honoring this request. But perhaps the most, no, definitely the most colorful response uh, came from the Republican Secretary of State of uh, Mississippi, who said simply, My reply would be, quote, they can go jump in the Gulf of Mexico, and Mississippi is a great state to launch from. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So what's going to happen to this? Who knows? But the fact is, there's no way Donald Trump is going to prove his claim that three to five million people voted illegally. It's not, not because the states will not cooperate, simply because- it did not happen. Okay. Uh, by the way, and here, by the way, I just wanted to point out there were there are three states. So I, I mentioned forty-four. Um, here it is. Um, three states have are still waiting to examine this and haven't responded yet. But three. So that's forty-seven. But three states have said this is great. Um,
3: I have them here, Colorado. Missouri and Tennessee yeah. have all commended Kobach's attempt to investigate voter fraud you in Colorado.
1: Now, states. Missouri, uh, maybe. Tennessee, I guess I can understand. Colorado? But Colorado? I don't what know what's happening. What are they thinking? I don't know what's happening. Right? You know what it is? Pot. Uh, yeah. They're smoking too much too pot. Much out scared. There.
3: They must be smoking too much pot. They're paranoid. Yeah. Yeah right paranoid.
1: i I know that's it they're just getting too mellow in Colorado right uh, I mean I couldn't believe Colorado's on I that couldn't
3: list. either I, I was I was shocked yeah I mean picking looper huh yeah wow you gotta shut that down he's he's out of his mind yeah. if he thinks that people are okay with that well
1: uh I hope by bringing a little attention to this that we can get some uh, action going uh pardon out there in uh, in Colorado uh meanwhile and uh, Niels Lunowski from uh, roll call is going to be here a little bit later to talk about this. Uh, as we mentioned the uh, and we talked about it a little bit on Monday too as as well uh, and I had a chance to talk to uh, the good United States Senator from Minnesota, Al Franken last night uh, at a 4th of July party about this. Uh, the Senate is really, Republicans are really um, about, about to commit political suicide over the Healthcare issue and particularly uh, their uh, in their their obsession with repealing Obamacare to the fact that people are really seriously considering um, two things. One, uh, since they cannot get the votes, and it looks like there's no way they're going to get fifty two or fifty one Republican votes to repeal Obamacare and replace it with what the Republican senators, which what Mitch McConnell is offering as a Senate health care bill. And so now they're talking about repealing it, but replacing it with nothing or replacing it and delaying, I mean repealing it and, and delaying any replacement for a year or two years or whatever. Meanwhile, according to the Congressional Budget Office, leaving 22 million Americans without any health care whatsoever. And that does not count the millions who will not be able to get health care under an expanded Medicaid uh, system. Uh, And other senators, other members of Congress are talking about, well, if we can't get it done right now, let's just hang around for the entire month of August and try to get it done. Andy Briggs is a Republican from Arizona. Um... That's what he's proposed to the leadership. I sent a
2: letter to the speaker signed on by a number of my colleagues. The Freedom Caucus has voted to uh, work through August. Others have done the same. And hopefully leadership will acquiesce and allow us to get this work done.
1: You know, and as uh, Senator Franken um, told me last night, uh, and as uh, Senator Joe Manchin suggested on the talk shows on Sunday, if only Republicans would come to their senses. If only Republicans would say, "Okay, you know what? We've talked about it for 7 years. I know we promised it for 7 years, but we can't just repeal Obamacare and replace it with nothing. So, why don't we sit down with Democrats and work out the problems on health care and fix Obamacare and make it better, make it make sure it does serve everybody, make sure premiums do not go up, make sure pharmaceutical companies can't screw people by keeping to raise the price of, uh, of, of, uh, of prescription drugs, and, and come up with a health system that works for everybody, works for the private sector, works for the American people, and protects everybody and gives them, gives them the health care that they need for themselves and their families. Republicans, if they were willing to do that, Democrats would be at the table in a New York second and we could actually see government work again. And instead, they're probably going to do this crazy repeal without replacing it with anything. Uh, and finally, before we uh, bring in our good friend Joe Cirincione to talk about more about North Korea, uh, we do have to say Chris Christie. Finally, he's off the hook. They did settle the budget crisis, so I guess today he can go back on the beach, right? Yeah, and get all the sun that he wants. Uh, w- without uh, without getting in trouble. Uh, talking to uh, the local Fox News uh, affiliate up in Trenton, I believe, over the weekend, where he says, when he was, he was getting his criticism, hey, come on, this is my beach house. I can use my beach house, even if well, nobody else can.
3: Well, I'm sorry they're not the governor. I mean, this is a residence. It's Here's the problem. We have a residence in Princeton as well, and that place is a place where people can go and tour – but they can't if the government's closed. They, am I supposed to move out and stay in a hotel?
1: Boy, how oh lame. Oh, my God. How lame is that? And he still insists while he's out there sprawled like a beach whale yeah. in his chair yeah. that he didn't get any sun. I don't count
3: going out on the beach after I've been working all morning
1: Oh, to oh.
3: Um, sit and talk with my wife and oh. our guests for 40 minutes before oh. I had to leave to come back to work, Um, as getting sun. I do. I do. What else would you call Wait, it?
1: He was on the beach sitting in the sun. Yeah. What, what is that? 40, 40 you... minutes? That's a long time. Yeah.
3: But yeah. What else would you call it? It's not like he took a stroll yeah. on the beach. He went out there and no. parked his ass yeah. on the beach for almost an hour. That's yeah. getting some sun. Right. right. I mean, I, I don't want to get into, like, a stupid argument about what that actually so means. then he goes, but,
1: like, now, it could have been- He was chilling on the beach. Wait, it could have been a lot worse, right? He could have had his clothes off nuzzling up to some honey. Now, if they had flown that plane
3: over that beach, and I was sitting next to a 25-year-old blonde <laughs> in that beach chair next to me, that's a story. <laughs> I wasn't sitting next to a 25-year-old blonde. I was sitting Um, next to my wife of 31 years. Oh, God. Congratulations for not being a total (laughs) screw-up and moron? Like, You don't get credit for not doing that. You're not supposed to do that. I love the big gulp he takes after saying this, right? I wasn't sitting next to a 25-year-old blonde. I wasn't sitting next to a 25-year-old blonde. He is so dumb. Oh, God, there he is. Right. (laughs) Give me credit for not doing the dumbest thing I could have possibly done. Okay. Congratulations, you didn't do the dumbest thing you could
1: have possibly the done end of Chris Christie <laughs> yeah. A foreign policy crisis like we have not seen in the last six months I'm not talking about Chris Christie We're talking about Donald Trump and North Korea Joe Sony from the Plowshares Fund Coming up next I was sitting
5: at the table We had finished dinner We're now having dessert And we had the most beautiful piece of chocolate cake that you've ever seen.
2: Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: Here we go now on a Wednesday, July 5. uh, Six minutes ago, uh, President Trump left the South Lawn of the White House on Marine One for uh, Joint Air Force Base Andrews in nine minutes uh, of everything that goes according to schedule. He will be up the steps of uh, Air Force One and on his way to Warsaw, Poland, uh, as um, for his second uh, foreign trip. Um, but before we get to that trip, he leaves a, a little mess on the other side of the world, Mainly, namely what happened over the weekend uh, in North Korea, where Donald Trump in early January said that North Korea, the idea that North Korea would test an ICBM that could reach the United States, won't happen. Looks like it did. Joe Cirancione is head of the Palau Shares Fund. We borrow him every once in a while from the Palau Shares Fund as our own foreign policy guru. Hello, Joe. Good to see you. It's a pleasure to be here, Bill. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank me. you for coming in. How big was this missile, How and how bad is it?
6: Uh, this is a major milestone in uh, in the North Korean program. They can now hit the uh, North American continent. They can fly as far as Alaska, or if going south Singapore or Australia. It appeared to function flawlessly. This is a serious weapon. This is not something patched together from from a series of scuds. This is a major advance and we're not seeing the end of it. There were more to come.
1: There were rumors that uh, the failures of some of their missile tests were because we were conducting a little cybersecurity against their system. Does this, does this mean that our cybersecurity isn't working or that we weren't doing that or they found a way around it?
6: If that was true, it certainly isn't true with this. And in fact, most of those accidents were with one particular type of missile, the Musadon, and, and it's very possible that there were just flaws in that design rather than any cyber threats. You don't see that much talk about it now. They've had a series of successful tests. But remember, in a missile test program, you will get failures, yeah, often in right. equal numbers. But they've, been, they've been just been cranking them out, one test just about every three weeks.
1: So do they have uh, parallel programs, one program? To test the missile and the other program to develop the nuclear weapon that would go on top of the missile?
6: Yes. So they've done five nuclear tests since 2006. They went nuclear during the Bush administration. They they perfected their nuclear weapons during the Obama administration. So both Bush and Obama failed to stop their advance. uh, In nuclear uh, weapons. In nuclear weapons. And the missile program has accelerated tremendously in the five years since Kim Jong-un has been president. More missile tests in his tenure than in his father and grandfather's combined.
1: Just a little point. The fact that they did it on the 4th of July is no accident. No accident.
6: They, they do this all the time. They send a message. They did a missile test the day that Barack Obama uh, was giving his major speech in Prague in April 2009 just to show him up. This is a a fourth. The fact that Kim Jong-un even said this in his statement, a 4th of July uh, present for America.
1: Oh, he did? Yeah. Right. So uh, what are our options? Uh, here is H.R. Uh, McMaster's National Security Advisor yesterday who said basically, well, no, we're not going to do a military strike right away, but...
2: The president has directed us to, to not do that and, and to prepare a range of options, including a military option, which nobody wants to take.
1: Well, do, that, do we have many options?
6: There is no military option. You can have military plans. You can show that there are things you can do, and there are, for example, South Korea released a video uh, just uh, this today in South Korea yeah. time. Of a South Korean uh, attack on Pyongyang, f- featuring uh, South Korean missiles and, and and U.S. bombers, showing what what we practice with them—a decapitation strike. Very dangerous thing to do. Can you do that? Yes, you can physically do that. What happens next is the problem, and what happens next as. Uh, General, as Secretary of Defense Mattis said, is a war unlike anything anyone has seen in their lifetime. You have a major war underway that would kill hundreds of thousands of South Koreans in the first few hours.
1: And we have American troops in between the two.
6: 28,000 American troops plus their dependents uh, stationed in, within range of South Korean artillery, rockets, and the short-range uh, nuclear-armed missiles that they probably have. So this could go not just a major, major Korean-style war, but the, the world's first nuclear war.
1: We've been dealing with North Korea, I guess, since the end of the Korean War, yeah. correct? Right? Yeah.
6: never signed a peace treaty. There's only an armistice between the United States and North Korea.
1: Didn't we at one point Convince them to abandon their nuclear we weapons did. program? We did. The only thing that has worked, so this is a, I, I have to, I've, I've done interviews on
6: this in the last few days, and the last few weeks, and people keep saying when negotiations failed, No. No, no. Negotiations work. It's the only thing that has stopped them. 1994, we stopped their plutonium program in right. its tracks, and they followed that up with a test moratorium on missiles from 1998 for eight years up until 2006. They only broke out of those two restraints when the Bush administration, led by Dick Cheney and John Bolton, pulled out of these agreements and said, we not. We don't negotiate with evil, as Dick Cheney said. We defeat it. And they adopted a regime change approach to North Korea, and that's when North Korea ramped everything back up, and it's been uh, pedal to the metal since then.
1: So um, the it sounds like the only reasonable, rational, successful path would be to pursue negotiations again, resume negotiations, correct? Either Correct. Direct, either direct or indirect.
6: Correct. It's the only thing we haven't tried since... Since uh, 2006, 2007. And we did do it once, and it worked. And, and it worked. And so now you're, you're basically out of options. So everything you're seeing now is just either blust, mm-hmm. bluster or wish, wishful thinking. China's going to take care of it. China will put right. it... The tweet that Donald did the other day, he'll put a heavy move, not going to happen. Military option, not going to happen. Sanctions, we're convening a special meeting of the U.N. Security Council. Yes, that's good, and there are more things we could do. But they've had sanctions for... Absolutely, military maneuvers in the region. We already had some, a joint uh, U.S.-South Korean missile test of our own, short-range missiles that could reach Pyongyang. Yeah, good pressure, but that's not going to coerce... North Korea into collapse or compliance.
1: Right, Peter. Do you have the the, the Donald Trump's tweet this uh, oh, yesterday? I
3: yeah. do. I do. Yeah. Moments after the uh,
1: it was it was so tough. The, the, the so test tough. was
3: confirmed. This is Donald Trump with with two tweets. Two tweets. North Korea has just launched another missile. Does this guy have anything better to do with his life? Yeah. Hard to believe that South Korea and Japan will put up with this much longer. Perhaps China will put a heavy move on North Korea and end this nonsense once and for
6: all.
1: Yeah, what is this wishing that China is going to solve our problem? For? Well, what what a leader. Sh-
6: what it shows you is that is a very scary thing, I think. When you get to the core of Donald Trump's national security policy, foreign policy, there is nothing there. He has no ide- idea what to do. The, the Trump doctrine, there's no policy, there's no strategy, there's no thinking out the, the program. He doesn't know what to do. He has a series of impulses and bluster.
1: Joe. He knows what to do. He tweets. He tweets, and he insults. Well, but you're not personal. Con- pe- personal tweets. Personal insults. Yeah, that's same thing with J- well, Joe Scarborough well, or pe- Mika Brzezinski. Yeah, uh, Kim Jong Un, right? Tweets them all the same. And
6: people have said, you know, what are we going to do when this guy's confronted with a real crisis? Okay, it's here. here. The yeah. nuclear wolf is at the door. What are you going to do? He has no idea, and frankly, neither do his advisors. Rex Tillerson, no idea. The one good. F- part here is that the the official response from the United States, aside from the tweets, has come from the Secretary of State indicating that the diplomatic route is still the preferred route. It's possible that the the administration will listen to the advice we're getting from all our allies, Japan, South Korea, the Europeans, and Russia and China. Talk. Have negotiations. Sit down at the table without preconditions. See if we can get a deal. A deal is still possible. What does North Korea want? They want security. It's very clear. You know, they see South Korea and the United <laughs> States as preparing to, to, for regime change. That's what they believe. So their defense to that is nuclear missiles. They believe this is their ultimate defense, and not just against South Korea and Japan, which they can do now, right. short-range, yeah. medium-range missiles, but against the United States itself, that that's their ultimate defense. So in order to stop them from doing that, to get a freeze right now... On their program, you have to give them security assurances. What they say they're willing to talk about is a freeze on their programs in exchange for a freeze on South Korean and U.S. Uh, joint military exercises. And what
1: is China's interest here? As China um, you know, move uh, to, to kind of rein in Kim Jong-un? China
6: plays the long game. They have no problem with North Korea being an irritant to Japan and South Korea and the United States, but they don't want it to stir up an an arms race that would justify a bigger U.S. military presence on their border, and they don't want to encourage a a war of any kind. They want another couple of decades of peace on their borders to allow them to continue their economic growth. So they will pressure North Korea to rein in the program, but not so much as as to cause their collapse. And they won't pressure them for the sake of trying to get a collapse. That's basically Trump's program. China, you crush North Korea for me. No, the Chinese are not going to do that. They will pressure for a purpose. The purpose, get to talks, arrive at a negotiated agreement to restrain North Korea. So that's where you can get Chinese cooperation, not to solve the problem for you.
1: Right. Now, the problem, let's get to the to this uh, current trip. So um, um, the president does take off. Uh, he should... Probably are taxing right now if everything's if everything's on schedule. Uh, well, I don't see any video of the mm. Air Force One moving. Um, but the president, first of all, before he goes to the G20, he's stopping in Warsaw today. Yeah. Why Poland as a, like the first European stop? For it's a,
6: because he will get a warm welcome there. It's one of the few countries in Europe where he can go and there won't be mass demonstrations against him. The Poles, most Eastern Europeans, but the Poles in particular, uh, like uh, uh, the the, the U.S. posture. They want, they like Trump himself. There's kind of an authoritarian streak that's running through the the Eastern European governments and Poland, as you know. So they're going to welcome him there, and he'll probably get some some pro-Trump crowds in that, a good photogenic start to his trip. It's all downhill from there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Then he goes to... uh to Germany yes. uh, for the G20. Yes. Uh, and before he meets with Vladimir yeah. Putin, which we want to get to, right, he meets with Angela Merkel. Oh, God. Uh, they had such a warm meeting at yeah. the White House. He's the only <laughs> the only foreign leader that he's received there, refused to shake hands with. It was a very awkward very awkward, joint appearance.
6: Well, as people said about the last meeting, and it's more true for this one, the leader of the free world will meet with Donald Trump. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump is
6: not the leader of the free world. You've seen the poll yeah, numbers. Right. Oh, no. I mean, the, the U.S. Uh, opinion of the U.S. around the world has plummeted. It's in, it's in the low teens uh, because of Donald Trump right now. So, And, and Angela Merkel uh, has been saying we have to look to ourselves. And so the, the U.S. leadership uh, 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 with Europe... Is is teetering on the brink of disappearance, and so this is going to be a very different meeting. I think Angela Merkel is in a more power position. Why? What? What are the? What's the agenda of the G twenty? It's free trade, climate change, and 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 migration, immigration policy. Mm. You couldn't get oh, three God. issues where there's a starker <laughs> yeah. difference between Trump and the rest of the Europeans. Yeah. So this, he's going to be at odds. He's going to be the very odd
1: man out in the G twenty meeting. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now. Um, NBC, I think it was, put together, um, there's so much speculation about what he and Vladimir Putin uh, should talk about and will be talking about. Uh, He, in terms of uh, his relationship with Putin, has been all over the place. Uh, Here's the Wayback Machine from uh, NBC.
5: I have no relationship with Putin. I have no relationship with Putin. Do you have... A relationship with Vladimir Putin? I do have a relationship and I can tell you that he's very interested in what we're doing here today. I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. You know I was in Moscow a couple of months ago. I owned the Miss Universe pageant and they treated me so great. Putin even sent me a present, beautiful present with a beautiful note. I spoke to all of his people. And I got to know him very well because we were both on 60 Minutes. We were stable mates. So I never, wow. I don't know Putin at all. Oh, he and I
1: are best buds. I mean, just she...
6: a series of, of, of lies, a series of statements yeah. you just can't trust. You can't yeah. trust what the right. man says, right. which is a pathetic thing to say about the
1: president of the United States. Yeah. All right. So he goes to see Putin. Does he say anything about Russia hacking into our election? Absolutely not. He is not going to do that. Is this? He's made that clear.
6: His staff has made that clear. Uh, but frankly, it's He even, thinks the whole
1: idea is still a hoax?
6: And it detracts from the legitimacy of his presidency. Anything that taints his electoral yeah. victory, he doesn't want to deal with, even— uh, if he's sacrificing America's vital national security. Not interests. just that
3: he doesn't want to deal with it. Like, he'll go to the mat over that. He will fight <laughs> over that, right? Like, we yeah. saw that was the very first press conference after he was inaugurated. Sean oh, Spicer right. came in and yeah. Gave yeah, that now infamous presser about this was the largest crowd Emajorated? that anybody has Absolutely. ever seen for an inauguration, and, and, period.
6: And exactly, and we, we don't know. We don't know if Russia did it. We don't know who did it. Right. You know, or right. everybody does it. I mean, a variety of, of, of a, 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 a denial and escapism from, from the reality. Um, man. And but,
1: um, this man, of course, he's praised as a tough leader, sort of his role model as, uh, in terms yes, of a leader. Yes, yes. Uh, do they raise the issue of Crimea? Almost certainly not.
6: And but but you know this is th- there's, there's several scary things. What yeah. are they not going to talk about? The right. key security issues facing this country facing Europe. They're not going to. But there's no agenda for Donald Trump's part. He's a completely unprepared. Doesn't like being over-prepared, He says
1: for these meetings. This this the, you so, try to
6: get out of his staff. What are you going to talk about? And they say, well, it's it's whatever the president so wants.
1: One would think, right? Crimea would be first of all. The hacking would be on the agenda. Yeah. Um, Crimea. Yes. Uh, Ukraine. Yes. Syria, ISIS?
6: Yes. Well, and the related sanctions with all those, uh, which sanction, Trump, right, Putin right. wants lifted and the yeah, Europeans don't right, want. Right. ISIS, the joint fight against ISIS, there you might get something. There you might you might get some talk about Syria and, and U.S. deconfliction of U.S. and Russian forces in the region. You might get something. This is what the, Trump likes to talk about, the joint fight against ISIS. But what will it mean? Next to nothing, and this is where you're going to. Re- re- at this meeting with Putin, you're really going to be staring into the Trump void, the utter emptiness of President Trump.
1: And this is—it's been set up for Friday as a one-on-one meeting, yeah, right? Yeah. So an I mean, official this, meeting. This is uh, not an a official. Right. This is not a, a stop by. Right. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. where often at the G20. What do
6: they call it? A pull-aside, something, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, where yeah. they just happen, like, I remember, I think, Obama and Castro at one point, like, yeah. shook hands, yes. was, right? No, this yeah. is a
6: yeah. this, this yeah. is a one-on-one. Yeah, the first official meeting of, of uh, the, a U.S. president with Putin in over two years. Yeah, this is it. And first, of course, first for Donald Trump's, and it's, it's, it could, could be disastrous. It could be disastrous. I mean, not just for what Trump might agree to with Russia, not just what he's not going to be pressing, Putin on, but what it's going to mean for U.S.-European relations. If the Europeans see Putin basically toying with the president of the United States, this is going to further erode European confidence in American leadership. We're, we're witnessing an historic turning point here, the, 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 the diminishment and possible disappearance of American leadership over the Western alliance.
1: Well, I got to tell you, Putin's one crafty guy. Yeah. Right? I mean, you put yeah Putin up against Donald Trump no contest in a battle of the wits, right, or a battle of uh you know like almost high stakes statesmanship. I'd bet on Putin any time
6: right, right, and so look I mean, at the, look at knows. the way we've been talking about this. The bar is set so low for Trump if he comes out of the meeting without stumbling, without saying something completely bizarre and stupid, without uh, what do they call it sundowning, mm-hmm. without wandering around the room a little <laughs> little yeah. confused then it'll be considered a successful meeting.
1: Well, it, it, to me, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, this meeting is one of a series now. If you look back at the last oh. six months of the of the Trump presidency, there have been countless foreign leaders from countries we never heard of, right, come to the White House, oh, yeah. they get the meeting in the Oval Office of Trump, they get the picture taken, or, or and they leave, and nothing happens. Or... Uh, like over the weekend, we were told Donald Trump uh, Saturday or something. He yeah, had Saturday. Two phone calls, right? And and they, so he he calls people he's talked to before. Well, he keeps you know makes all these calls and then they put these out there. So it, it looks like he really gets off on yes. talking to foreign leaders. What does it all add up to? Uh, nothing
6: so far. There again, there is no discernible Trump doctrine, foreign policy strategy direction. There is nothing. There is just tweets, meetings, impulses, photo phone ops. Pulse. It's like his domestic agenda. There is nothing there. Nothing is happening.
1: We're drifting. It's, uh, no, it seems that way, that the object of the phone call to whoever is to have a phone, to be able to say... I talk to Abe today. Right. To
6: convey a sense of leadership. That's right. right. To convey an impression.
1: Where right. where nothing there's no real agenda, nothing really happens.
6: Yeah, it's very Putinesque actually. Very Kim Jong-un, you know, just the ah. great leader, you know, talking to others, being recognized as a great leader. I wouldn't be surprised to see photo ops of Trump with little children and flowers.
1: Were you surprised that um Donald, I I must admit, I got an invitation to join the press corps for Donald Trump's trip to Paris for Bastille Day, July 14th. Oh, wait, you turned that one down? Well, it was not a free ride on Air Force okay, One. I was going to say, that, 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 yeah. If it had been that, I would have gone. He would have gone.
3: No, okay. this was, if okay. I paid my own oh, way to I Paris, see.
1: I I could be part of the press corps, right? I see. I if you're going to
3: gonna go to Paris, you want to go without <laughs> Donald Trump. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I can't think of a worse no. person to go to that, Paris
1: that, with. <laughs> Ruining a perfect. That was my trip. thinking. Sorry, exactly. yeah. No. But my no, question, I was just surprised that Emmanuel Macron would invite, because they're not Necessarily on the same wavelet would invite no, Donald Trump to Paris. No,
6: no. Well,
1: see, this is this
6: is you have to admire Macron for this. And I was just at the Canadian Embassy last night, jointly celebrating Independence Day and and Canada Day. Uh, beautiful view of the fireworks. And we were talking about uh, Trudeau, the Prime Minister. That's who, the,
1: by the way the best place to watch the fireworks. The Canadian Embassy. It was it was gorgeous. Yeah,
6: it was spectacular with that, good Canadian beer. Yes. It was great. So, and 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 the very liberal. Leader of Canada has a good relationship with Trump, and they, what you see is two very pragmatic leaders, people who understand they have vital interests still connected with the United States, trying to deal with this guy to get those vital interests uh, uh, served. It's not a matter. It's not. It's not respect. It's not following them. It's. It's trying to deal with this person who is now the president of the United States. And when how are they dealing with him? Well, uh, um, very much the way the Saudis did, flattery, you mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah. uh, praise, come, generosity, come to Paris for Bastille Day. Even the President of the United States can't refuse that trip, even if you could.
1: Uh, we <laughs> just have about 30 seconds. Are we sending more troops to Afghanistan, and Why?
6: Uh, there's no, re- there's no clear reason why, but almost certainly yes. Basically, we're in trouble. We, we, the, the 16 years of fighting there have not produced a stable government. Yeah. We couldn't do it with 100,000, but some in the Pentagon think that 5,000 more, you know, uh, might be able to stabilize the situation. It's a fool's errand. It's a tragedy. We're committing American lives to this. This military strategic failure. Uh,
1: yeah, and we know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. It's Vietnam all over again. Why don't we feel better about uh, things? I don't know. Joe's here and Sonia, but at least you laid it out exactly. Yeah. The, uh, on on many, many fronts, some very serious crises facing this nation. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Bill. Plowshares, plowshares.org. Uh, we'll be right back with Hadas Gold from Politico. This Talk- is the Bill Press Show. It won't happen. That's what Donald Trump said about North Korea firing a missile that could reach the United States. It won't happen. Well, guess what, Mr. Trump? It did yesterday. With that little bit of news, we start uh, the rest of the week here after our 4th of July holiday. Hello, everybody. I hope you had a great 4th and happy 5th of July, Wednesday, July 5. It is The Bill Press Show. Reaching out to you on YouTube, youtube.com slash Show coast to coast, and of course, joining you also on Free Speech TV. So good to see you today. Uh, and uh, we've got lots to talk about with health care and the floundering in the Senate, to the point where some Republicans are now saying, uh, let's forget about the August recess. Uh, we can't go home until we resolve this problem. We also have tax reform to do, so let's, stay, let's just stay around for the entire month of August. Uh, President Trump is now in the air for his second foreign trip on his way to Warsaw as so a first stop before going on to Berlin for the G20 summit and his big big meeting with Vladimir Putin on uh, Friday. And 44 states have now told uh, the Trump Voter Fraud Commission, we are not going to cooperate because what you are asking violates the right of privacy of our citizens 44 out of 50 states and meanwhile uh what's donald trump up to attacking the media here to tell us all about that hadas gold from politico senior media reporter for politico's got a great piece up this morning uh almost every day
0: too <laughs> hello Hadass. hello nice, nice
1: to see you wonderful to be. did here. you have a good fourth
0: it was lovely. My in-laws are in town, oh. and so we watched from the rooftop of our building, which has a fantastic view of the fireworks on the National Mall, so we were very lucky.
1: Yeah, good for you. Yeah, it's right. wonderful. I watched from a rooftop in uh, in Georgetown. It was. It's That's the place, to do, the way to do it. Yeah. And there are a lot of good rooftops in Washington, exactly. so a lot of good exactly. rooftop parties, right? So we'll get right to all the media-related news with Adasko in just a second, but first... <laughs> Is Peter, is the Full Court Press.
3: Just a couple of other stories making news. I don't want to alarm anybody, uh, but I'm there an is alarm. a satellite hurtling towards oh Earth God. as we speak. The AMC-9 satellite uh, comes from the spacecraft construction company SES. They said they lost control of the satellite on June 19th, and they're having a hard time locating it. <laughs> they have brought in another company to help find it, and they said that they found pieces of it. That could find their way to Earth, like that's like spiraling out of control towards Earth's surface. Now, best case scenario is that these things burn up in the Earth's atmosphere on its way down, and then we don't really have that problem. Worst case scenario is well, a large piece falls and hits Earth. But they also say that this is going to add to a, an already serious problem, the thousands of pieces of space junk already in Earth's orbit, which is a real problem.
0: Space pollution.
3: Yeah, space pollution's a real thing.
1: Send up somebody up there to clean it up, right? Yeah, right?
3: Happy 5th of July. A man in Grand Blank Township, Michigan, had an interesting idea of how to get a hornet's nest out of his garage. (laughs) No Fireworks. Fireworks. You got it, Hadass. He used fireworks on July 3rd because he had some for the 4th of July. He attempted to blow up the hornet's nest and in so doing, burned down his house. (laughs) So I guess the good news is the Hornets are gone too. So, but he also doesn't have a house.
1: This this uh, has happened before. I've I've heard this story before. Years of year,
3: you know. A, I'm surprised this happened in Michigan and not you know Darwin state of South Carolina,
1: right? <laughs> Darwin was wrong.
3: Yeah, so Peter, did you let off any fireworks?
1: Oh, you know I did. Uh-huh. I
3: have a ton. I have a ton of illegal fireworks, because when I go to South Carolina. I always stop and get, like, the six-foot-tall display of fireworks. But I set them off.
0: You're literally burning money. You might as well just, like, take $100. There's so much fun,
3: Hadass. (laughs) There's so much
4: fun. She's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I brought sparklers for my grandkids.
4: They are fun. They had a lot They had a lot to rent.
2: On your radio, on TV, and online.
1: This is the Bill Press Show. Here we go on a Wednesday, July 5. Hello, everybody. Great to see you on this day after the 4th of July and hope you had a good one. It is the Bill Press Show. We're live coast to coast on many different platforms. YouTube, youtube.com/slash the Bill Press Show. Uh, out in the Chicago area, all over the place, on WCPT and on free speech TV as well, uh, coast to coast. Uh, Yes, uh, crisis in North Korea, in Syria, in Afghanistan, everywhere you look. Uh, But the President of the United States seems to be more concerned and spending more of his time uh, watching television and uh, criticizing uh, members of the media. Um, most recently, particularly, uh, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski from MSNBC. And then all of CNN, Hadass Gol is senior political m- media reporter for Politico, joining us in studio. Always good to see you, Hadass. So um, you write this morning about uh, this video, particularly, uh, where... It's an old world wrestling entertainment video Mm -hmm. of Donald Trump slamming uh, this supporter, this Vincent McMahon person kind of in the little spat that they faked. It was a phony spat to make money for WWE, and somebody put a CNN logo on the guy, and then Donald Trump liked it, thought it was funny, and released it. But it's got some people concerned about violence against the media?
0: Right. So a bunch of the free press organizations that typically monitor um, press access around the world in places like Mexico and Turkey and Russia have now decided that they need to start documenting threats against the media in the United States. So this is a formal thing that they are starting. It's being spearheaded by the Committee to Protect Journalists. And actually part of it is funded. It, It was already in the works beforehand, but part of it is funded by the Settlement money that uh, Congressman Gianforte paid oh. after he assaulted Ben Jacobs. He was found. Uh, he was convicted of the assault. Part of his settlement, in addition to his community service and anger management classes he had to take, was he gave fifty thousand dollars to the Committee to Protect Journalists. And in the wake of um, Trump's rhetoric, in the wake of other things that we've seen um, from other places, not just from uh, the president and his allies. Uh, They've decided that they need to start documenting this so that we can um, just watch the trends to see whether it is increasing, whether it's decreasing, where it's coming from. And it's across the board. It's it's not just from the pro-Trump right that they are paying attention to. They are also paying attention to incidences, although it was not an attack necessarily on the media, obviously, but the man who shot up Congressman Scalise, uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where that rhetoric is coming from. And they've just decided that it's alarming to them. They, they see parallels between what happens in places like Mexico and Turkey and Russia in terms of leaders making remarks about the media and how they need to go after them, which then can sometimes lead to violence. And you can never draw a direct line between what a uh, political leader says and then violence against the press. But it, it, it all lends itself to an atmosphere, the atmosphere that it is OK to... Um, act out against the media if you dislike what they are reporting, and that's concerning. Uh, luckily, in this in this country, we obviously have a First Amendment. Um, we have independent court systems. We have uh, independent police. Uh, who, for example, in the Gianforte case, the sheriff who convict who arrested mm-hmm. Gianforte or convicted him was a Gianforte donor, and I think that says a lot to the state of our country. If um, if a, a police officer who had actually donated to a congressman's campaign was still able to arrest him and to charge him for this type of assault we do still have some protections but you know you never want something to slip into something else
1: but what you said is and I it I've always as a journalist admired the work of the committee to protect journalists I feel guilty now that I've never given them any money over the years <laughs> right I mean I've just always been proud of the fact that they're there and I think you know this is who we are you know we uh, we enjoy and celebrate uh, our First Amendment rights in this country to such an extent that we're able to reach out all around the world and protect journalists mm-hmm. in these countries where where leaders do really attack the media. And, uh, but the idea now that they feel the obligation to direct their work toward us and the United States of America is really appalling. And this has it's been increasing
0: over time. The Committee to, Pre- Pre- to Protect Journalists and Reporters Committee for Free Press um, RCFP does more legal work. Have been very involved in the past few years, especially as the Obama Obama administration was going after leakers, mm-hmm. was trying to label yeah. journalists yeah. co-conspirators. Um, what's different now is it's less a legal issue and more they're they're concerned about actual physical violence uh, and 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 physical threats against the media. Already, we've seen over the past two years as the election heated up, a lot of news organizations but beefed up the security oh,
4: yeah. uh, at their news yeah.
0: organizations. Uh, they added more layers before you could get in. Um, even at the National Press Club, they now have new sort yeah. of like yeah. barriers. Uh-huh. Um, and I mean, that's across the board. You see more security at many places. But I, I myself got threats. A lot of people got threats. Um, it's just a very heated up time. And we also have to keep in mind the effect of having these sort of threats on the media, how it affects our foreign policy because if you are trying to argue, for example, to end everything from human trafficking to uh, to the arrest of a journalist like Jason Rezaian in Iran, oftentimes uh, you know they they see the media or they see the United States as sort of the shining beacon on a hill type of thing. And when you yourself are making this type of rhetoric about the media, saying everything is fake news, we've already seen it happen where other countries, such as Russia, say. What do you mean There, you see chemical weapons? That was reported in the media that you called fake news, so that's, you know, you can't believe that. Uh, and that's a problem because when you're trying to conduct public diplomacy, when you're trying to get somebody out of prison in a different country, it doesn't help if then in your own country you're saying everything is, this. The, these people are fake news and mm-hmm. s- even suggesting that they should somehow suffer physical violence.
1: But you you said something I, I, I want to uh, take issue with, which is, you cannot, uh, a couple of minutes ago, I don't know the exact words, but you cannot make a direct connection between something that a leader says and physical violence against the media. But if you look at Donald Trump's statements during the campaign and during the campaign mm-hmm. rallies, um, you, well, maybe they weren't members of the media. remember? But his it's saying, I'd like to punch him out myself, right? Or if you see somebody ready to do something, right. you don't Here's- just... Deck them. Here's knock them out. Saying. I mean,
0: like, if you look at it legally. He was
1: really encouraging violence. Is, but, and
0: that's what I meant by the atmosphere. The, and, the, and he
1: would point, if I may, and then he would point to the members of the press right. in those press pens and say, there they are. They're the enemy. The
0: enemy of the American people, he yes. called them. I'm saying legally, you would not be able to point to the president and say right. he yeah. he advocated for somebody to walk up to Hadass Gold and punch her in the face. Right. No, yeah. he did not do that. But he he uh, he c- contributed to the atmosphere Absolutely. that helped it, and and so did all of us contribute to this atmosphere. <clears throat> one of my former editors um, pointed out that even when we use headlines like "such and such shoots down" or "blasts" or something like that, um, it, it might seem minor, but it all contributes to this whole idea of we are constantly fighting with one another, uh, mm-hmm. and it's all just part of sort of this dangerous atmosphere and we often expect the president to be above things and to not fight low and dirty especially once they become president and they have this incredible bully pulpit and so to use this bully pulpit in this way uh, is alarming to a lot of people.
1: Now um, you may remember uh, that I I wrote a book uh, my next to last book called The Obama Hate Machine Um, Donald Trump insists that no president has ever been treated as badly by the media in in our history, you know, the the truth that's just not true. If you go back to George Washington, some of the things they said about him, or Abraham Lincoln, or Richard Nixon, or Barack Obama, uh, I'd say especially Barack Obama. I mean, the criticism and honest reporting on the part of the media. I mean, it's just. Right. It goes with the territory. Wait, I mean,
0: every president has tough coverage. George W. Bush. That was when yeah, I really came yeah. to be aware of politics and things like that during the Bush era. I remember him being really pilloried um, and vilified by by a lot of people and, and by some media reporting. I think it does become sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy where media reports toughly on, on the president. And then he turns around and does things like block them from briefings and it just becomes this kind of circular firing squad. Um, but I, I I would love to see data because, I mean, if he has a point that I think that's really interesting, there's been some, I know Harvard just recently did a date about the negative coverage. Now, the media would co- would say that they're just covering what's happening. You know, it, it might be a negative story if he can't get Republican senators well, to support let's take his Let's a specific
1: bill. example. Can you tell me <clears throat> anything that Mika Brzezinski or Joe Scarborough said? I'm not here to defend them. I'm just, I just. Let's get to the facts. I, I, I haven't done this kind of research. Can you tell me anything specifically that they said which would merit his ugly tweets last week?
0: Nothing they've said should merit any sort of uh, attack, like the president. Although they have been sort of tough on him in a similar way that people would make fun of George W. Bush for what they said was being not intelligent. They called Trump mentally unstable. They said that he was. Uh, Um, He might have mental issues. They've they've used some harsh words about him, which normally in the normal course of things, a president would either just ignore and say this just comes with the territory similar to being made fun of on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, these are these are commentators. They are morning show hosts, similar that Fox and Friends are morning show hosts. So when they made fun of Barack Obama uh, for using a selfie stick in the White House. You know that's yeah. You didn't you yeah. didn't hear something like that happen.
3: You know what it is an interesting trend I think is to watch how many people Trump gets mad at that he thought were his friends, yes. right? Because like Joe and Mika were definitely friendly with Trump, and I think at one point at one at one point yeah. And, and this this whole idea that they, they go back and they say well, well the Trump that we saw at these parties is not the Trump that we see today, which is bull crap. But like Joe and Mika, they were all tight with Trump. Saturday Night Live they were tight with Trump they had him on to host now he's mad at them all the time CNN some people could argue played a big role in helping Trump get elected by the coverage well that they
0: it's gave. also just Jeff Zucker and, and Jeff, Jeff Zucker which the... which he
3: has praised repeatedly Trump praised Jeff Zucker years ago and said he's the right guy to change CNN and he's going to fix CNN and now that it's perceived that they are tough on Trump. He hates them, and they're the enemy. So it's fun. Like, if anybody is a friend of Trump that says anything even remotely critical about him, he goes nuclear, and he loses yeah. his mind.
0: Well, because he sees it as an actual, like, very personal attack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, these people were part of his crew that he was friends with. Right. And now they're suddenly turning on him, and, and he had done so many things to help them. He expects something in return.
1: Right. Uh, one of the concerns that I have is... Um, the response of the media mm-hmm. to his attacks on the media, right? I mean, let's face it. His full-time job now is to discredit, to attack the media. Everything is everything that's not gushing about how much he's accomplished is fake news. Anything that's bad news, maybe for the United States, is fake news. Uh, so what does the media do? Um, do they cower? Do they try to write just write more positive stories so that he's going to think better of them or do they just do their job what are you hearing from people in the media in terms of response
0: i mean some media some people in the media see it as their job's just to you know continue on kind of ignore the noise and just try to continue reporting others think that we need to be calling it out at every moment other people think that we need to maybe think about the criticisms and take them and and, and take them in and think about what he's saying and see whether there's validity to them Um, I do think that especially during the election, as we saw people ignored the Trump phenomenon and laughed it off uh, and that that was probably not the right move to make. Um, I think that there in some corners has been sort of an automatic approach to the president with a negative eye in the same way there was about Barack Obama, that nothing he did could be correct. Uh, And I don't I do think that that needs to be you need to come at things from a different point of view and understand, but, if I was reading something as a Trump supporter, how would I interpret this? And it, but, you'll never reach a point where everybody agrees. But
1: what can you do exactly, what can you do, I mean I, I, I try to be fair, I'm a liberal, I'm a Democrat, right? I make no bones about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know when Ronald Reagan did something that I that I thought was right, I supported him and gave him credit for it. The same thing for George W. Bush I, I he had the best immigration plan Immigration reform plan that we've ever had, and I mm-hmm. gave him credit for that. And you know, and and um, but with Donald Trump, he just says stuff that's not true. He just makes stuff
0: up, right? Yeah, and you can put, I mean, you can criticize him on that yeah. as an opinion. journalist. but if you do, journalist. if
1: you do, then it's fake news. I mean, you're accused of fake news, or you're accused of being anti-Trump. Right. Right. And I mean, you can't have it both ways. I mean, he can say there was the largest freaking crowd ever in the history of the country at the inauguration, it's not true. And for us to report that it's not true is not anti-Trump. It's telling the truth, right? right. And you so, have to do that.
0: I mean, journalists have just been keeping their heads down and continuing to report. Uh, and I don't think that they should be deterred by what he says, but I do think we, in some ways, need to cover it, but we also need to cover what's happening, such as all the... Regulations that the the administration is pulling back. This is a huge change and can really have a direct impact on people's Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. And it, we are like Politico is covering it. Other people are covering it. I do think that people get yep. wrapped up in sort of the noise. And in some ways, I I, I think that the media. It, it's hard though because we it becomes a echo chamber where something happens, he says something, all the cable news covers it. Then we feel like we need to cover it. Then it becomes this whole competition of of scoops yeah. and whatnot, but things like the regulations really do. Now, that
1: you could, you, could, you could write a book right now on what Scott Pruitt has done as EPA. I mean, that's mm-hmm. one place where, you know, Donald Trump has just wrecked every environmental regulation that Barack Obama ever put in place that's real, it's not fake news, it's happening, and it's impacting people's lives. Right. Um, so one <coughs> reflection of this whole war Uh, and I think it is a war, I don't think it's an exaggeration to call it that, is what's happening at the White House briefings, which is sort of my territory. Um, I don't go as often as I used to because, frankly, they're a waste of time. Uh, But the White House is really, in so many different ways, Uh, one day we'll have a briefing on camera, the next day it's not on camera, but you can use the audio. The next day you can't use the video, you can't use the audio. Or the next day, there's just no briefing. Right. Uh, and then they've... This was the White House Correspondents Association that did this, not the White House, but, um, but they have o- also opened the door to... There are people in that briefing room today, mm-hmm. over half of them. I have no idea who they are. Is that- no idea. Don't recognize them. Never saw them before. I, I don't know of any organization that they represent. And a lot of them now have seats, as you've reported, more particularly the more conservative operations now have seats in the briefing room.
0: Well, I mean, sometimes. So What I, are they trying to do? I would have to look. So the seats are are determined by the Correspondents' Association. Yeah, I said
1: I mentioned that. Yeah, right, yeah. Not the White House. Yeah. Um,
0: but the briefing has been has been interesting. I mean, for years during the Obama administration, I would always I would also hear complaints about the briefing that it was a waste of time, that it shouldn't be televised, et cetera. Now the briefing has become sort of ground zero. And a, a By representation.
1: The way, I, I, I heard that too, but they were minority voices at that time.
0: Right, but the but
1: the uh Dee Myers has always said they should cancel the briefings. She's so, as,
0: wrong. so is Ari Fleischer mm-hmm. and Mike McCurry and all these people. And some print reporters complained that, about the televised briefings. They say that it's oh, yeah. distracting that the front row just tries yeah. to grandstand yeah. and get yeah. their clips in to be used in the ads for their cable Which is networks. true. Right. A- absolutely. So true. I do. But the briefing has now become sort of ground zero for all of these issues that we have with the administration, between the administration and the press, uh, which then when things like the back and forth of having the briefing on camera versus off camera, that really gets magnified in this atmosphere. Um, and I don't know if it will ever change. I do sometimes get the feeling, and I don't have reporting to back this up, that the White House enjoys this game of on-camera briefings, off-camera briefings, turning it around, and getting the media all riled up. It's a wonderful and easy thing to do just to get everybody worked up about these things um, when they might not matter. And as you say, I mean, the briefings have always sort of been pointless. Uh, In any administration, the press secretary is always going to try to spin things in every White House reporter, even before this administration has told me the best reporting you do on the White House is outside the White House, that you need to get off campus. And Mm -hmm. However, they're still important because they still represent something very important. They represent the administration answering questions publicly on camera to the American people. uh, And so they should not go away. But I think a lot of people are open to the things that some things that have been changing, but it's just, it's sort of petty, the little games of on camera, off camera, yes, no, maybe so. And it is understandable if they want to let the president's voice speak, but they just keep changing things around, you know.
1: Plus, uh, and and again, uh, I was there under you know um, Robert Gibbs and Jay Carney and Josh Ernest and it was frustrating because we were, weren't always able to get direct answers, um, straight answers to our questions, right? But l- let me tell you, miles more information from them than we ever get from Sean Spicer or Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who just don't answer questions and make a point of it and just say that's a stupid question, kind of an. Uh, and 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 move on um, and um, we I, it, but I, I, I you are right I know they they enjoy the game um, um, so Sarah Huckabee Sanders um, the Apple didn't fall far from the tree uh, her father was speaking out about this uh, yesterday I believe it was on Fox News uh, here's a former governor former presidential candidate Mike Huckabee
2: most most of the wounds that the press think they're experiencing, they're self-inflicted. And I don't know of anyone who's calling for anybody in the press to be hurt. Quite frankly, I don't know of anyone who wants to hurt the press. They just want to laugh at them because they hold them in contempt. Mm-hmm. And what's happened to the press is is a sense of which they no longer practice journalism. They practice a very targeted, hateful attempt to destroy the legitimacy of Donald Trump's presidency.
1: So That's our goal. We're out to destroy the legitimacy of Donald Trump's presidency. It, it, it's, it's funny coming from um, a member of a party who, for eight years, never recognized the legitimacy of Barack Obama's presidency and and, and elected a man who led the campaign to question the legitimacy of right. Donald Trump's citizenship, let alone presidency.
0: Right. I mean, everywhere you look, and usually in politics, there's usually some form of hypocrisy on both sides. Um and it's also, you know, ironic that it's, you know, the, I don't know,
1: it's, there, there's it, just but like... Is, yeah, isn't this, is, they're obsessed with this idea that we in the media are out to destroy the legitimacy of Donald Trump's presidency. I, I, I really think that the goal of the press is still to report what's going on. Yeah. And to tell the truth, you know. Yeah, okay. Uh, relations with Russia, they're good for them or bad for them. This thing with North Korea, whats what are our options? You know, whatever. Healthcare, what's it going to impact? How many people are going to be impacted? Is it good or bad? But what's bad about Obamacare? What's good about Obamacare? I mean, just tell, tell the truth, let it lay. Right. Put it I out do there. think that
0: a lot of people, um, to sort of take the other side of it, see the media as focusing on what they see as superficial issues, such as his tweets, his rhetoric, et cetera. And they say that you're not focusing on why people got him elected and they're, they're not focusing on the fact that they do want America to pull back from being a leader on the world stage because they don't see the point of trying to defend other countries, that they are concerned about illegal immigrants in their communities, warranted or not. Uh, and that's why they elected him. And most I mean, if you look at the polls, a lot of people don't want him to be tweeting. They, they don't want it to go on. And they feel as though the media focusing on that, um, Is sort of pointless and they've saw throughout the campaign uh, the media reporting on how he had no chance to win even that he um, had no policies that he stood on and sort of laughing at him in a way I mean a lot of I think the other thing is that a lot of people similar to on the right it's hard for a lot of people to be able to they, they don't separate out the opinion journalists the opinionated people and the actual journalist. there's no red flag that shows up on MSNBC when Rachel Maddow goes on air now she can do real reporting as we've seen she can dig things up but everything that she is reporting on comes through a lens the same way that everything that Sean Hannity reports sure. on comes through a lens sure. but there is no big flag that shows up and both of them do interviews with lawmakers the same way that I would do an interview with a lawmaker and I think when people look at the media the landscape— the problem
1: with that is they complain about the fact that there's no red flag on a Rachel Maddow. They never complain about the fact there's no f- red flag on a Bill O'Reilly or a Sean Hannity.
0: I mean, I hear liberals complaining about that all the time, that there's no—that they that they, they are held to a different standards internally and held to a different standards externally and that they get to do the interviews. I mean, if you notice who the president has done interviews with on Fox, has he done an interview with Brett Baer? Has he done an interview with Chris Wallace? Those are all, you know, the, the yeah, real journalists no, no, there. Absolutely no. And you don't, and you don't see him sitting down. You with him probably and, would not, because he knows that Chris Wallace would bore into him and do a tough interview. Uh, and what's, I mean, what's, it, her,
1: what's her name on Fox and Friends in the morning? Uh, Ainsley. Ainsley. Ainsley, Ainsley yeah. Earhart. Yeah. Earhart and Earhart and you mean something. Ainsley's not going to ask tough questions? <laughs> well, she hasn't so far. We can agree on that, right? Yeah. And he's the one she's the one that he usually is her his go to interview on. Yeah. On Fox.
0: He's he's done a few. He's done, obviously, Judge Jean Pre. Oh, that was a tough one, too. That's her last name. Um, (laughs) But I mean, it's on the other side, though, they would argue whenever Hillary Clinton went on Rachel Maddow or something like that, that it's similar. And for a lot of people, they see all of the media except for a few as liberal they they don't distinguish between right. they just see this side yeah. or that side they yeah. say you're on the coast you there's report Fox, on everything and then there's liberal you report you mm-hmm. like they they say that most of the media would approach a story about gay marriage from a positive point of view and would not approach it from a completely like this could be bad this could be good right and so they see that as 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 liberal and they see that as you're not coming at it from our point of view we're not bad people we are not like horrible racist pigs or anything we have a different point of view. We can still be good neighbors, et cetera. But you're approaching this from a totally different viewpoint. And if you look at the diversity in media, if you look at where we have our jobs, if you look at who works in these organizations, they are right. There is a uh, a bend in the media towards a certain type of person. That doesn't mean that they can't report fairly. It just means that we have lost our local journalism, Right. There are are very few people who live in the communities and report on the communities for a local paper. Those places have been completely decimated. And that affects how we report on things. I always point to somebody like Selena Zito. You can love her or hate her, but she was laid off from the Pittsburgh Tribune and kept reporting for places like the New York Post Washington Examiner. And Mm -hmm. she was waving the flag for a long time saying, hey, guys, Donald Trump's going to win Pennsylvania. Hey, guys, Donald Trump is going to win Pennsylvania. I live here. I talk to these people every day. I'm reporting on this every day. I see it. And everybody laughed at her and they said, oh, you can't just, it's anecdotal, you went to a bar and a bunch of people in a bar said that they want Donald Trump to win, yeah. whatever. She was right. Yeah. Because she- was
3: was 100% right.
0: Yeah. She was watching uh, it.
1: I just want to, uh, we, we could talk forever about this and we are out of time, but I just want to make one other point is I have to say that despite all of Donald Trump's attempts uh, to, to wage war on the media, we are seeing, I believe today, the best investigative reporting and the most accurate and the most fair uh, on the part of- whole broad swath of news organizations Mm -hmm. that we've seen since the days of Watergate. That includes Politico, that includes the New York Times, that includes the Washington Post, includes CNN, I believe, across the board. Some very, very good reporting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so
0: the movie of the war between the new york times and the washington post will be great <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, will be okay hey hadas thanks so much Thank for what you. you're doing thanks for coming in hadas you follow her of course on politico and you should at politico.com and we'll be back what is going to happen with this health care debacle in the senate nils olisinski from roll call he knows all about it he'll join us next
5: they're not reporting it katie you're not reporting it katie But there's something happening, Katie. There's something happening, Katie.
2: Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. video. Bill's commentary. The best clips from the show. All in one place.
1: YouTube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Here we go on a Wednesday, July 5, uh, wrapping up here. On this day after the fourth of July. Happy birthday, everybody. It is the Bill Press Show coming to you live from Washington, DC, our nation's capital. And brought to you today by the American Brotherhood of Teamsters, the great men and women of the Teamsters Union under President Jim Hoffa. We all live better because of their good work, and you can find out more about their good work at their website, teamster.org. Congress out of session. Uh, A lot of members are feeling the heat at home, and I'm not talking about the high temperatures. There is that, but there's also... um, are facing uh, everywhere they go, it seems. A lot of protesters on uh, over the health care issue. Ted Cruz, uh, down in Texas, trying to make a point. Can't even be heard because people are uh, are interrupting, f- saying, what are you doing about um, Obamacare?
6: Celebrating the men and women who have defended our nation, who have <laughs> died to defend our <laughs>
1: liberties. <laughs> I love that. The, I the less you can hear of Ted Cruz, the, the better. I don't know <laughs> why it's so satisfying <laughs> that it's Ted
3: Cruz, but to just hear his little voice getting drowned out there just I makes know, me so damn happy.
1: our <laughs> liberty. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, Ted, how do you like that in here? Niels Lesniewski covers, uh, covers the Senate. For roll call RollCall.com, joining us in studio hi Neil good to see you good to be back all right so I can't um, I can't keep track of it, uh, it it's the the the, the uh, agenda seems to change every day it's uh, repeal and replace or it's repeal and delay or it's repeal
4: and run or it's just repeal I mean what the hell is it. Well, uh I, I don't think it's going to be repeal and delay uh although when the white House yeah that. and 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 seemingly out of nowhere this you know as happens around around uh DC these days uh something that seemed like it was an idea that was completely off the table reappeared in one of Donald Trump's tweets you know and so yeah. when the, when the president says something even if it seemed to come out of nowhere at 6.30 in the morning because he was watching Fox and Friends. Um, That, nonetheless, is news. So uh, it doesn't look like Mitch McConnell, the majority leader in the Senate, has any interest in going back down that road. He kind of, I think, wanted... I mean, that was something they were thinking about doing in January, but people were insisting, no, we need to do it all in one day, and Trump even insisted we need to do it all in one day. Uh, And so... Now they're trying to figure out how to muscle the votes, but I don't think they've got them yet.
1: Right. Um, so the votes uh, again to go over that uh, and for our viewers and listeners, uh, they need fifty-one votes, right? Yes. Well, fifty. Well,
4: fifty. If you Mike Pence 50 can break the Mike tie. Pence
1: and and would okay, they have fifty-two votes. They're determined to do it without any Democrats. Uh, so they don't want to offer any amendments that might bring a Democrat or so on board uh, and so how many do they have and
4: where are they well uh if you if you believe the uh, statements that came out after the last version of the bill was pulled there are probably five to eight there were probably five to eight no votes uh, <laughs> that's pretty far from 51 right so if you've got if you've got five if you've got you know, so probably, they probably would be uh, sitting somewhere in the mid-40s uh, and needing to get to 51 or 50-plus-1. 50 and so the question that none of us know the answer to yet is how you resolve, uh, if you're the Republicans, um, doing what Ted Cruz needs in order to vote for it. The Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, um, more... What they would probably term state flexibility with someone who's listening to this program might say letting a state in the deep south offer health insurance that doesn't really cover a lot of stuff uh, versus the uh, sort of Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman type Republicans from Dean Heller, Dean Heller, certainly, who seems to be a fairly firm no at the moment. People from states where they like people from states where they expanded Medicaid and don't want hundreds of thousands or millions of people tossed off of uh, insurance in five year three years or five years or there's a whole thing whether they, they want to do a phase out, but you can only uh, at the end of the day, if you phase something out, you've got to have something that covers those people after you phase it out, and it's not clear what that would be yet.
1: right. So what you're saying is. Uh, they they there's some things they can throw Ted Cruz and company, which would get their votes, or there's some things you could throw Susan Collins, uh, and a Dean Heller maybe, and get their votes, but if you throw to this side, you lose support on. I mean, you're going in different directions, right? So. Yeah,
4: yeah, and and you have to wonder, you know, how you can do. And maybe Mitch McConnell can figure it out. I mean, I think they're trying to figure out how to basically let everyone everyone win, but how you keep Medicaid (laughs) expansion in some – I mean, you'd end up with what may – I mean, really a bifurcated system, right, where you have states that expanded Medicaid and you have states where there are – the all sorts of uh, unregulated insurance plans, basically, and so where you live will depend on how good your health insurance. All may right, be. so
1: so then some people have said, back to where we started. Well, we can't figure this out, even though we've had seven years, almost eight now. We still have no idea what to do without, if, other than Obamacare. Uh, so we can't figure it out. So let's just repeal it, and then take time to figure it out. Isn't that the Worst possible alternative?
4: Well, if you do that uh, and you do this repeal and delay approach. Then you really do own it for one thing. You own it for one thing. The other thing is you establish a cliff, which is one of those things that happens in Washington from time to time. For people, I'm I'm sure, Bill, you remember, remember the thing they we used to call the dock fix? Remember when every couple of years they'd have to prevent 21% cuts to... Yeah, yeah. Medicaid, Medicare? Right. They
1: finally fixed the doc fix, right? Right. They yeah. did.
4: But, I mean, think think how much of a mess that was versus how much of a mess this would be. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh,
1: so they would have this dangling with 20, according to CBO, 22 million Americans losing their health insurance with Medicaid um, with a big question mark over it, right. whatever. Right. Uh, and and they would still have to come up with a plan. And God knows how long that would take them.
4: Right. Or they could just delay it some more. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've actually
1: heard. I mean, del- that means they're delaying it into 2018. Right. So they go before the voters and say, we took your health care away, but we have no idea what we're going to do about it. Right.
4: That's That sounds to me like a recipe for Majority Leader Chuck Schumer.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, and maybe even once again, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, right? Yeah, no I, I, so that's why I think that that they don't want to go there. Uh, so some people are thinking now about another alternative, andy uh, Andy Biggs, Republican uh, from Arizona, uh, out there leading a little pack with a particular idea he's thrown in front of the speaker.
2: There's no reason in the world why we should be taking four or five weeks off in August when we have such a,
1: a major amount of work to do. Because we also have a budget to get out, tax reform that we need to tackle. So he's saying, let's stay around for the whole month of August. Uh,
4: that, that sentiment is shared by a few other uh, Republicans. Uh, David Perdue, who's a uh, senator from Georgia, uh, sent a, led a letter to, to McConnell basically saying the Senate should do the same thing. And in fact, what I'm waiting for is for the the white—I mean, to some extent, the White House is already behind this strategy, but we found out that Purdue met Friday with President Trump to discuss canceling August recess because, of um, course—and so what we we, we wait for is whether or not the the White House declares that it can set the congressional schedule because they may well say that they can set the congressional schedule because— why not? It's not yeah. separation of powers or anything like that. No,
1: no, nothing nothing like that ever exists in the Constitution, right? No. <laughs> I'd like to see them try to set the congressional schedule. That may be the one thing that would finally get the Republicans to a turn against Donald Trump. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'm not even sure. Uh, <laughs> but if, if, if Trump were to say, no, you you do not have a choice, you must stay here. Governors can do that, I guess, can't they?
4: They can call a... Uh, the yeah, and, can and, and, call and the a president special... can call a special session. That, is, that? Is, that 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 could be done. The oh, other well. thing which is fascinating and we've never done well, before... I'd we... love to see him do that.
1: The... Keep those suckers here for the month of August. <laughs> I almost said something else. Uh... <laughs> yes, suckers. <laughs> yes. yes, those suckers. Uh, <laughs> I,
4: I think that, that, that would be...
3: Has the president ever done that before?
4: Uh, They're usually for wartime or or really serious national emergencies, um, I suppose you could declare something to be a national emergency. The other thing, which has never happened in the history of the republic, oh by the way, (laughs) is there is a power under which if the House and Senate cannot agree on their schedule, the president may adjourn Congress that it's never happened oh, wow. before um, which
3: means it's definitely going to happen <laughs> <laughs>
4: exactly, like everything else at some point in time these days at some point in time there is a possibility that the president could be get sick enough of congress that he could in theory send them home he has that power
1: i never knew that oh god and if anybody would do it donald trump would. yeah totally <laughs> totally <laughs> oh well, you know, and he he might, if the maybe that's what he'll do. If Democrats do take control <laughs> in 2018, <laughs> he could just say, I'll just ban the Congress.
3: Yeah. He'd do that. Who needs them? Yeah. He would totally do that. Yeah. Jesus,
1: oh. man. Oh, Neal said, is, is that an our constitution? Do you and I have the same <laughs> constitution? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So when is this all going to play out? They're out this week. They come back uh, next Wednesday, right? I think not the beginning of the week. Of course, why should they? Right. Because they just had a week off, but they need a couple of more days to, uh, you
4: know, relax. So it'll it'll they're waiting. They sent the Senate sent some things to um, uh, CBO, and so they're waiting to get more numbers back. Uh, My guess is that the second week they are back or the first full week, the first real full week that they're they're back um, is when this may play out, if it does. But otherwise, it's not going to play out until right up against the, the August recess because we yeah. all know that what they need is a deadline. And so, so what I'm guessing McConnell is going to be up to is trying to rally the votes and... And maybe at that point he says, you can't go home until we pass this thing. Does McConnell want this to pass? That is always the million-dollar question here. Uh, my, my assumption has always been that, yes, he wants um, something to pass, that they've been running on it for too long not to. But I'm not certain that he wouldn't accept a smaller package. Of, you know, th- what really is a fix-it bill more than a repeal bill? Although it would be marketed as repeal and replace, I'm I'm not so sure how much of the repeal actually would need to be in it to satisfy right. uh, McConnell's objectives.
1: The other the other alternative, of course, um, which um, Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer has suggested. Um, Joe Manchin over the, in the, on the Sunday shows uh, suggested uh, in a conversation I had last night with Senator Al Franken, he again suggested uh, the Democrats are standing by ready, willing, and able to sit down and work with Republicans to fix whatever problems there are that they have a problem with, the problems that they may have with Obamacare, And there are legitimate problems with Obamacare and weaknesses in in the program um, that they're willing to sit down any time and work those out and come up with a plan that maybe both sides could say this is better for the American people, better for the insurance companies, better for everybody, health providers across the board, and, and most importantly for American consumers.
4: What's wrong with that approach? There may, in reality, not be anything wrong with that approach, but that approach isn't going to happen, and I don't... And I think part of it is because there's a fundamental uh, disagreement seven, about... Be, yes.
1: Well, because for seven years they promised they were going to repeal Obamacare, isn't that the... That's, uh,
4: that's, that's much of it. The other thing is there's a fundamental disagreement about the tax cuts that are part yeah. and parcel of what the Republicans have been proposing here.
1: Which gets to the heart of it, Right. Isn't there, and President Obama has said this, that their bill is not a health care bill. It's a tax cut bill for the wealthy. Or, as Bernie Sanders says, it's a massive redistribution of wealth from middle class to the wealthiest of Americans.
4: Well, one thing that's actually happened. is yes. Well, enough. That's true enough that the Republicans in the Senate have now apparently taken out the most... Um, aggressive tax cut uh there was a th- it was basically a 3.8 percent uh tax on uh, capital gains for people making over a certain amount of money about two hundred thousand dollars a year so if you have more than two hundred thousand dollars in capital gains you were getting an extra tax because of obamacare they have now they're now keeping that tax to pay for whatever they're attempting to do um, and there was because there were so many complaints basically once it became clear that this was in their bill, repealing this was in their bill, yeah. that they now have backed off on that. But they do still get rid of the tanning tax.
1: <laughs> the tan, oh, That's the right. John, you mean the
4: John Baines <laughs> <The> John- <laughs> tax? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> What's the tanning tax? There was a, it was, the, it was a surtax on. Um, Basically, a user fee on tanning bed yeah yeah services yeah that's in the ACA that, that was in uh, in
1: Obamacare yes and they get rid of that they get rid of that tax Boehner so. lives yeah right
4: yeah back right from the dead <laughs> who so who was the lobby to get rid of that uh, the indoor tanning association they're that power <laughs> <laughs> well, there, wait there's that. They're that yeah. powerful? There is, in fact, they do, in fact, have a trade association. Oh, I'm sure lot big tanning no, no,
1: no. lobby, they oh, don't no. mess around. I mean, everybody has a trade association.
4: But some you would
1: think, I mean, how many of 535 members, how many of them use indoor? <laughs> do they even have those indoor tanning things anymore? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But haven't they been declared pretty They're dangerous? not
3: safe at all. They're terrible for you. But that doesn't stop people from using them. I didn't... They don't hear about them much anymore. I mean, they—they're harder and tanning, harder to find. Tanning salons, right? Yeah, you tanning don't salons, don't salons are harder to find, them. but they're around.
1: Well, and so, but I wonder seriously, how many
4: of 535 members for Congress ever use one or go to one? I, I doubt there are many, but there are, you know, there are small businesses in communities all across America that are indoor tanning salons. I think, and I can't the believe marketing. they give
1: that much money to candidates, you know? Well. Leave it. All right. There you go. Now we know who's in charge, right? Uh, so, Niels, uh, Niels Lissaniski with us from Roll Call, rollcall.com, If you can follow Niels and uh, all of his good colleagues over there. Uh, there's another, um, on another front, uh, particularly in the House, there is a, there are maybe some 25 Democrats who have lined up behind a uh, piece of legislation which would create a commission to declare whether or not the president is mentally incapacitated uh, and therefore incapable of doing the uh, carrying out the responsibilities of the presidency and trigger the 25th Amendment. Uh, anything similar to that in the Senate or any, th- any chance of any of that going forward?
4: Uh, no chance of it going forward, and I don't think that in the Senate that conversation is not even— Uh, Not even on the table. Uh, In fact, you know, every time that someone talks about the 25th Amendment or about, you know, impeachment or any of those sort of processes that the Democrats, particularly in the Senate, uh, try and tamp down that sort of speculation. Their preferred approach to this is to see what the special counsel does uh, in the in the Russia investigation before really going anywhere down those roads of course one thing that is you know fascinating about this is that they're just is that the democrats have this problem which is kind of coming up in this conversation we're having right here where if you spend too much time on russia which invariably is the conversation that goes along with the impeachment calls then you're distracting from health care right and and they there's uh, there's sort of A difficulty for Democrats in in focusing on one or the other and not having the two bubble up together. There's also the question,
1: I'm not sure it's been resolved, of how, what impact the Mueller investigation, special counsel Mueller has on the hearings of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Are they two independent, distinct operations that both go forward together?
4: They both go forward, but I know that uh, Mueller has met with the folks from the Intelligence Committee, Burr and Warner, and I know that obviously Comey was me- back when back when Director Comey was still Director Comey. Uh, he was meeting with them fairly regularly, so these things are not independent of they they're separate investigations and they have somewhat separate objectives, uh, mm-hmm. but. They're sort of moving in parallel, and I think that the Senate now is going out of its way to avoid getting into Mueller's lane and doing anything that could impede whatever he is up to. Well, uh, 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 one way of
1: looking at it is uh, – maybe this is how they figured it out – is the Senate is looking at collusion and Mueller is looking at
4: obstruction of justice. Is that fair? That – Seems like the way this is going at this point, although, you know, you never know what Mueller may... The the difficulty here is that you've got one investigation that's sort of operating in public, not entirely, but they're having public hearings. Namely the Senate. Namely the Senate, and then you have a special counsel, and so, you know, who knows exactly where Mueller is going to go, and... You know, he may not go anywhere, but there's a reason why everybody hired lawyers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and more and more are hiring uh, lawyers. And uh, I talked to one of those lawyers last night. Uh, Niels, great to see you. Thanks for your good work. And particularly, I hope you had a good holiday coming in today, so shortly after. Uh, And now we are back at it, my friends. Um, So we'll give you the rest of the day, but demand that you come back tomorrow because we'll be looking for you right here. This is The Bill Press Show.